If you will, open up your Bibles to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We're going to get into the Word of God, and uh, we are going to talk about something. Actually, I've been praying about this for a couple of weeks, and felt like the Lord was dealing with me about it, so we're going to go this way, and it's the, if you have a title, it would be Focus or Focused. And this is really an interesting thought, but Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Hebrews 12, it's right after Shebrews. This is where Hebrews. I was trying to see who's awake. You know, we were talking about the coffee shop, and there will be tea there too. So if you're offended by coffee, we'll have tea and hot chocolate. Amen. Oh, and iced tea. Might as well go through the whole list. We'll have water too. Anyway. Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says this, uh, looking, actually we're going to read verse 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, if you read that and don't know what he's saying, he's basically saying here, as he starts off, he had gone through a list of people who had served God through their life, fulfilled their purpose, and have died and have gone to heaven. And he went through one after another. And what's so cool about those verses before, uh, people call them heroes of faith or whatever. You know, that 11th chapter just talks about one person after another. Couples, women, men, young people, old people. Didn't matter. There were all different types of people there. And, uh, and some that were friends who lived a life of faith. What's so interesting, it talks about their great exploits, but virtually a lot of them had a lot of failures too along the way. And they were still mentioned in the Bible as great faith people. It's an interesting thought because he could have focused on the, their shortcomings, but he focused not on their shortcomings, but their obedience and their ultimate pulling themselves up and moving on. Well, that's a pretty interesting thought then that if there is really uh, people that are written in the Bible who were not perfect, but they lifted themselves and kept going. Are you with me? And so when he goes on to talk about this great cloud of witnesses, that's a term, you know, we don't really use. But what he's basically saying, and some other translations read this, for those of us who are living this life right now, there are grandstands in heaven or some kind of portal where they can look down upon us from above and see us running our race. So you could say it like this. Not only is the Lord watching you everywhere you go, but people are watching you run your race for God. So loved ones that are there, uh, you know, because people in hell are not looking, but it's the ones who are in heaven, they're cheering us on. They're up there anticipating. They've already finished their race. We're, we're the last leg in the race. They're, they're watching us. You know, I remember years ago when I did a little bit of running, I would rather ride a bike or hike, but did a little bit of running. Some friend would, he was on the cross-country team at his high school, and then later on he's like, let's go sign up for this run. 
And he's all, we can do 5K, 10K. And I'm like, is there like a 1K? And um, so, and I used to ride, you know, some distance. But I remember we went to this one race and it went, uh, you know, around all these areas. And there was a split off for 5K, you know. And uh, we knew the area, so we were going to run, you know, this 5K race, not not far. And so we're running, and he said, "Are we somehow we ended up missing our turnoff, and we're now going to do 10K. Thinking, you know, you ever had those kind of, it would be better if, like, we're running 10K, and he's like, whoops, we should have turned, you know, back there. Now we're on the 3K. Bummer, you know. All right, I can do that. But now we're on the 10K, and I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, we should have turned back there. And um, so he's like, but this is no problem. This is back in California, and you, there's this, uh, an area where there's a number of colleges just all together. And um, so he said, I know my way around. We'll just cut through here. And, and I thought, okay. And I remember we're running, and there's nobody around. And all of a sudden, he's like, all we have to do is turn here. And I'm like, all right, we'll turn here. And, you know, running is just, it's not like a bike. You can't coast. You just stop or go. And um, I'm like uh, thinking, we might be doing more than a 10K. And then he's like, no, we just turn here. And I remember we turned and we're in this old college and we go through these archways and we run in and we're in a courtyard and we're like stuck. I'm like, dude, we're lost. He's all, well, let's just keep running. I'm thinking, no. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what if people were watching us? Wandering all over the place. What are they doing down there? You know, we'd be great, you know, like on a news thing, sports news, you know, two clowns running around, you know, ran 23 miles. We didn't run that. I remember after a while, I, went, I said, I'm going to walk. He said, let's just keep running. I'm thinking, you ran cross country. We were supposed to do this, and we're lost. I said, we're lost. You say, do you ever get found? Yes, that's why I'm here. And uh, I remember finally finishing that thinking, we just needed to stay on the course. We just needed to stay on the path. And, and it tells us that there are people that are up there watching us to stay on our path. And there's a huge thing about our focus, whether we stay on our path or not. And we're going to read that. And notice this. He said, run your race. He said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're watching us run our race. You know, when we get to the other side, nobody's going to ask, oh, did you go see that movie? It was a good one. Now, I'm not saying you can't see a movie. But there are certain eternal perspectives we should have while we're going through this life. Because some things are not going to matter there, and other things are. They're going to go, I saw you when you witnessed to that person. They're not going to go, that was a huge fish you got. You know what I mean? Ah, I saw you when you're at that sale. 
and how you snatched that thing from that other lady before she could get it? Good job. No, they're not, they're not going to be thinking like that. Come back, we'll teach on that next week. No, um, but they're going to look at us and they're wanting to see and they're wanting to watch us run our race for God. Because you can tell right now by looking at the world, a lot of people aren't running a race for God. But these people watch us and they cheer us on. And he said, let us therefore lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us or entangles our ankles, some translations read, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Isn't it interesting? He said, in this race, you're going to have to lay aside some sin. And then he said something interesting. He said, not everything you're going to have to lay aside is sin. Some of it's just not even bad. It could be good, but it's a weight. Interesting. And I would say this, God will help you with those. He'll deal with you with those. And sometimes when God deals with you and you know, I shouldn't be doing this, reasoning will come to your head and go, yeah, but you know what, everybody else does it and it's really not a sin, but it could be a weight. And if we really want to proceed without wearing down and really run with endurance, we don't just lay aside weights, we lay aside sin and weights. Notice this next part, and it's all connected, and we're talking about focus today. Looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, it literally means really to fix your gaze upon him. Give your attention to him. See, one thing about weights and certain things like that, they will demand your attention. They will demand your attention. I remember a friend of mine, he got turned on to God. I mean, I'm talking turned on. He got saved. He was, you know, what people would call on fire for God, and he was going. And I remember he started picking up this hobby. It wasn't a bad hobby, but he really got into it. And I'm not saying hobbies are bad, but just like anything, you can give too much to something. And he did, and this started consuming him. It wasn't a sin. I mean, you know, on the list of sins of thou shalt not, it wasn't even close to it. It was just a hobby. But he got so involved in this hobby, and I know God had to be dealing with him, till occasionally he started missioning church on Sunday. He, he got so busy, he stopped reading his Bible. And, and that thing was not a sin, it just was a weight. And if you carry weights, or weight, and you're running or walking around, you get tired. The other day I was with some people, we were carrying something that weighed about 100 pounds, and we're, you know, and it was awkward, and we're carrying it for a while, and, and it was up in the mountains we're doing this, and, you know, 7,000 feet starts taking your oxygen, and you're like, oh, let's put this down. But when we weren't carrying that, we could walk the same path, no problem. Are you with me? And so he said, lay aside weights, lay aside sin. And then the very next thing, he said, looking unto Jesus. 
focusing on the Lord, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice that phrase, looking unto Jesus, the originator and perfecter, or the one who develops our faith. As we focus on the Lord, your faith is developed. If your focus is taken away from the Lord, your faith will not develop. You say, well, what's the importance of developing my faith? Faith gives us divine peace. Faith gives us uh, answers when we pray. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith will give you comfort. Faith will produce answers for your life, answers to prayer. It doesn't matter. But if you notice, he said you have to be looking unto Jesus. You have to keep your focus on him. If we don't keep our focus on the Lord, our faith does not develop. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The Bible said people who want to walk with God, it says the just will have to, or the ones who are made right with God through accepting Jesus, must walk by faith. And the only way to truly walk in faith is to have our focus on the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, he whose mind is stayed, it literally is about your imagination and focus. He said, God will keep you in divine peace. What we focus on, and this is huge, this will be the highway that divides people in these last days. And it is written throughout the Bible, but what we focus on, we open up to. I don't care if you're saved or, you know, some big spiritual giant or not. Whatever you focus on, your heart opens up to. And when you focus on the Lord, you open up your heart to the Lord. He will help you to start developing and perfecting your faith. Where areas where you don't feel like you have victory, many people do this. I got a pain in my knee. Instead of looking to the Lord, they'll look to the problem. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter what's going on. They'll search the internet and find all the negative reports. Instead of finding the answer and focusing on that, they turn their attention to the negative thing. They start filling themselves with worry. What you focus on, you open up your heart to. And in the day and age we live, we know that the world is going to be feeding stuff because the enemy knows the time is short. And when I say feeding stuff, I mean junk that would cause people to have troubled hearts. And not your physical heart, but the believing part of you. And so he tells us, when you are in your race, you have to focus on the Lord. You have to, in this life, focus on the Lord. I mean, you can go into a grocery store and people will just talk negative. Jesus has the answer to life and for eternity. But if we realize this principle, where I put my focus, I open myself. And he told us, put your attention on the Lord and your faith will get developed. 
If you go back and read the 11th chapter, how did Samson, you know, and all these different things you read through the Bible, how did Samson do what he did? How did David, King David, kill Goliath? How did all these different things happen? It said they did it by faith. So he's basically telling you what all these people did who are watching us in this race, they did it by faith. Some of you might say, well, I'm going to do it by faith. The only way you can do it by faith is being focused on the Lord. Because He will develop your faith. He will develop your faith. Distractions are out there to get you to focus on something other than what is right. Why would things come to get you to focus on them? That are not of God. To distract you. To open your heart to other things. To open your life to other things. And, when you, and it's just a principle. I mean whatever gas you put in your car. Gets put in your car. You open the gas cap. I mean but the world is like this. They'll get a nozzle that's for diesel. It's bigger than the hole to put in the gas tank. Why? Or the pipe is. Because they don't want you to put it in there. Because they know people will do that. They'd walk up and go. Fits. No big deal. You drive off and your car's not working. And so they were smart enough to go. Okay we'll make the diesel one this way. Because if it was the smaller one. People would be doing it. But when God tells us these things. He realizes this. We can open up our lives to anything by giving our focus. So there isn't this nozzle that it just won't happen. We have to do something. And if he said looking unto Jesus, not looking unto God, not looking unto religious, religious things, looking unto him who died and rose again. Him who is written in the word of God. I don't need the book. You need the book. All men will be judged out of the book. The Bible tells us. And so distractions come for what purpose? To open your heart to things that are not productive. Notice this familiar verse of scripture in Matthew 14. Matthew 14. If we can look to Jesus, we will have perfected faith that will get us answers and produce great results. But if we don't look to Him, we're not going to have faith that's developing. And, you know, I, I've talked to many people over the years. I remember talking to some people who lived in foreign countries and came over here, and uh, people would see all the pleasures we have here in the United States, and they would say, wow, your greatest issue here is distractions. You know, one thing about a war in another country is those people are going to be facing certain things, but there are no other distractions. They're going to get their mind on the Lord. Here... Pleasures everywhere. Self-control is going to be huge. 
our focus is going to be needing to be exercised, where we put our attention. But Matthew 14, 22, a familiar verse to many people, years ago there used to be bumper stickers, I haven't seen them in a long time, that said, if you uh, think you're perfect, try walking on water. Because Peter walked on the water. But the issue is not an issue of perfection. Really, it was an issue of faith and focus. That's all it was. That's all it was. Faith and focus. And we know faith, the Bible said, comes when you hear. So let's look at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So we see Jesus commanding his disciples, you get in the boat, you row to the other side, uh, I'll disperse the crowd that's following me. Uh, and then, so he does this. And when he gets done, Jesus goes to pray. And when he had sent the multitude away, verse 23, uh, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So we see the disciples are out there rowing into the wind. They're admirable at, you know, in the sense that the Lord said, go to the other side. They're out there attempting to do it, but the wind is blowing in their face. You know, sometimes people in their Christian walk, the wind's blowing in their face. Sometimes it might just seem better to turn and let the wind take you back to this shore. But that's not where the Lord is, and that's not where the Lord's going to be. Sometimes you just got to keep rowing when the wind is blowing. Are you with me? It, it would maybe be the easiest thing in the world to just uh, stand up, let the wind catch you and blow you back the other way, but you would not be where the Lord wants you to be. People need to realize that. When the wind's at your back, everybody can shout, Hallelujah, isn't the Lord good? Woo, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, man, I'm telling you, a little bit of wind in somebody's face, they're needing to wipe away tears. No. No, those who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver him out of them all. But you got to realize that sometimes the wind is not always blowing your back when you're serving God. Sometimes it's blowing in your face. Why? Because the devil doesn't always like where you're going. One time Jesus was going to a certain place. He told the disciples, let's get in the boat. Let's go over here. We're going to do this. You know, this is what I'm directed to do by God. So they start going. A massive storm comes. Jesus is asleep. The disciples are there trying to get across to the other side. The boat's now sinking with water. It's filling up. And they go wake Jesus up and they're like, don't you care? We're perishing. He gets up and he rebukes the storm. And then turns around and said, storm, stop it. Wind, stop. And then he turned to the disciples and said, you guys know I love you, don't you? So glad you woke me up from that sleep. No, he turned around and rebuked them next. 
So why didn't you do something about it? They knew the direction they were supposed to go. Get a little wind in your face. Do something about it. Instead of talking about it all the time to everybody, start speaking to the mountain. Commanding it. You know, there's a real popular saying that's been going around. Instead of, uh, you know, your mountain talking to you of how big it is, you talk to the mountain about how big God is. Well, that ain't going to do nothing. No, he didn't tell you to talk to the mountain and say how big God is. The mountain already knows how big God is. The devil already knows how big God is. But God's giving you authority. You speak to it and say, get, move, stop it. And keep going the direction you're supposed to go. Yeah, but it's not real comfortable. No, it's not. Because it's contrary to heaven. It's contrary to God. But we happen to live in a world that is infested by fallen spirits. Demons. And there are times they will come against you. And not because you are bad. But some of it because you belong to him. So one question you don't need to ask is what's wrong with me? Because that's the first thing the devil will do is say, he'll start pecking and then go, something's wrong with you. No, the Bible said, don't think it's strange when you face a fiery trial. And you know what people do immediately when they face a fiery trial? Not just a trial, a fiery one. What's wrong with me? Something's wrong. And he said, don't think it's strange. Don't think there's something wrong. Now, we're never going to have these in heaven. Somebody said, then let's go. No, we got work to do. Somebody said, I don't like them. Nobody probably does. Jesus was tempted. He had fiery trials. But he gave us the way to win. And sometimes... You know, just persistence will bring you to the other side and through a storm. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. We've all been through storms at different times, and sometimes people just need to not quit. You ever been through a storm and you just went, I'm not quitting, and then you came through and you were back to that place like, woohoo, Jesus. And the other people are like going through something and you're like, yeah, Jesus. Let's be merciful on them. Because we've been there. But we need to learn to rejoice regardless. We need to learn to rejoice whether there's a storm or not. You know, there's a scripture about being persecuted and being under attack. And it says, if you do it a certain way, it said, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. There is divine assistance when you're in the middle of something. You just got to keep your attention on the right thing and you'll open your heart to the right thing. So here they are, cross over to the other side in that situation and a storm comes, he rebukes them for not doing something. Here they're in another storm. You would think they would learn something. They got a little bit different here. 
But notice this, verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. God directed them to do something and the wind and the waves were not at their back? You can get out of the will of God by looking at things like that. Everything's just perfectly happening. You know, so that's God. They could have all said, this trip must not be from God because it's not all working out perfect. You ever had something not work out perfect? That does not determine whether it's God's will or not. If so, Paul, who was in the Bible, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was out of the God's will all the time. Because they'd like stone him to death, get raised back up again. They'd whip him with rods. He'd get thrown into prison. Supernaturally, the prison would open. I mean, you're talking about a guy who uh, is just facing stuff. He must have gone, I must be out of the will of God. No, one thing the Lord said uh, when he appeared to him, he said, and I wish the Lord would have told me this when he first dealt with me and I got, gave my life to him. He said, I'm going to tell you how many things you're going to need to suffer for my namesake. But here's how we sell Christianity. Come in, it'll be like the gravy train. Woo, Jesus. No, there is wonderful. There is eternal life. There is divine life now. We will win here. We can win here, but you can't win without some kind of fight. Now, that doesn't mean turn and fight each other. Oh, good. I've been doing good at this. I'm fighting everybody. No. But where we have our attention. They've got their attention on doing God's will, but here comes this storm. It's blowing. It was contrary. The wind was contrary. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night. I mean it's way in the middle of the night. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled saying it is a ghost. He wasn't in clear view yet. And, uh, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. They'd been around him enough to know he is a miracle worker and he was always encouraging them to step out and work and have miracles in their life. And, he, and so they thought, so Peter thought, I can have a miracle. You, you give me a command because where does faith come when you hear? So if I get a command... If I have a promise, I can act. So the Lord said to him, Come. That was it. He's got faith. Now all he's got to do is act. But remember, he's the author and completer of your faith. Your focus has a huge role in how your faith works. And here he is. He's like, See you guys, I'm getting out of the boat. I mean, he jumps over the rail and he's walking. He's going to the Lord. I mean, because it says, and Peter answered, you know, after he said, come. So he said, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, it said he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, if you've ever 
been in your backyard or be at someone's backyard and you went in the pool, you don't begin to walk. You step and you go down. I'm going to just try this out. No, you don't try this out. He had a word and he acted. And he was walking. I mean, he took one step. He's on top. I bet the other disciples were like, I mean, they're evaluating this whole thing. Thinking, whoa. But here's the, here's the issue. Remember, he's the author and finisher of our faith. But if our focus doesn't remain right, we will sink. But notice verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Who begins to sink? Have you ever begun to sink before? You ever jumped over the side of a boat, been in the water, and you begin to sink? No, you just go down. He's starting to go down, down, down. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. So he was close enough to Jesus now where Jesus could grab him. So he's walked some distance. I mean, even if it's from here to there, that's, I mean, 15, 20 feet, that's pretty good. That's better than, that's 15 or 20 feet more than I've ever done. And and then he said, Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Man, you did better than everybody else in the boat. You should be proud of yourself right now. No, he didn't say that. He said, Oh, you of little faith. Somebody might say he needed more. No, what he meant when he said little faith, he meant you only used it for a little while. Because when you read the parable of the sower, he said they believe for a little while or a while. Then when tests and trials and different things come up, they, they give up. Why? Because they start looking at the trouble. And here he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If it was something not in his control, he wouldn't have said why. He wouldn't have asked him why. He would have just said, you know, your problem is, Peter, you needed to hear more. You should have just go to two or three more seminars and you'd be a lot better off. You'd hear a lot more of my teachings, then you could do it. Nope. He gave him one word, come. No other teaching, come. That's it. Where did he doubt? How did he doubt? It says right here, 30 tells us where his doubt came from. His focus. But when he saw, and it doesn't just mean in a casual glance. It was that, because the storm was there the whole time. But it wasn't a casual glance. It was a turn from what Jesus said, is God's word good or not? And he turned to what was happening, got his focus on the problem, and what did it do? Wherever you get your focus, you open your heart. And when he got his focus on the storm, instead of what was producing results, fear started to flood him. He took on a weight 
that was bringing him down. Doubt and fear. Twins. Not identical, but partners in crime. Doubt and fear. Intertwined. Inseparable. He, when he looked at the problem, instead of what the Lord said, and not just glanced, he just started focusing. Just got his focus on it. His heart just started opening up to fear. Remember, looking unto Jesus, the originator and finisher of our faith. His faith started working at first after he heard and kept his focus. But then what happened was he didn't keep his focus. And when he didn't keep his focus on the right thing, his heart started flooding with doubt and fear. That's why the Lord said, why? Why did you doubt? In other words, you didn't have to. And he's doing this seemingly before they get into the boat. He's just basically said, why'd you doubt? You didn't have to go down. In other words, he could have said it like this. When you fixed your attention on the problem, you opened yourself up. So what was the solution? Get your attention back on the truth and keep acting according. Notice this. And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. But think about this. All this happened while they're on the water. He was basically telling him his answer and what he needed to do. You know, praise and worship is better with focus. Prayer is better with focus on the Lord. Hearing the word is better with focus. Remember the Bible said with the, when you hear, he said the measure you use, and he's talking about the way you give your attention, the way you focus, he said you will get back. Now you can only get back what's offered. You can focus on the wrong thing and wrong stuff will get in you. You focus on the right thing, and right things will start producing. If you start looking and get your focus off your failures and start thinking, God made me right with him, I can stand right before him. But the enemy will not want you to focus on that. He will want you to focus on all your failures and every time you ever missed it. And if you don't remember him, he may remind you. But the Lord would always remind us, I have cleansed you, I have washed you, and then if your focus is on that, you can enjoy fellowship with God. You won't cower when you're around God. It'll be comfortable. You'll get to enjoy His presence. Why? Because your focus is on the answer, not on the problem. And when your mind is focused on the right thing, your heart will swell with confident faith. Notice this over here in uh, Timothy, you maybe have read through this in your personal time with the Lord. This verse, these set of verses are very interesting. Actually, Timothy to me is such an interesting book. 1 Timothy 1 verse 4. Paul's writing to this young minister. He's wanting him to... Uh, go forward with his walk with God and complete his journey 
from a young age to an old age. Paul basically said, I've made it to the end. That's our goal. But here's the thing. We may not, as a people, make it to the end. In this aspect. The Lord may interrupt our business and return before we die. And so, but we want to, we, we're going to make it to there, if that is the case. But he gave these instructions to help. First Timothy, and they're the same thing. What you focus on, you open your heart to. I remember I had a kid in my youth group who started hanging around with people, and this was before publicly marijuana was legalized, and I was brand new in the youth ministry. He had been hanging around these guys, and he's like, you know, smoking marijuana and doing drugs is okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I read about it. I said, well, what, what do you mean you read about it? He's all, I said, like, where did you read it? He's all, High Times Magazine. <laughs> oh, that's not going to be biased at all. And he's all, you know, Abraham Lincoln used to smoke pot? I'm like, how do they know that? Read Mad Magazine. Maybe Alfred E. Newman did. I don't know. But I'm like, how do you know this? I said, you're going to open yourself up to stuff that's really bad. You know, somebody said, yeah, but I want to read about this because I really need to know. I need to know about this. There's some things you just don't need to know and you just don't need to study. Somebody said, yeah, but what if I'm missing something? No, you're not missing there are some things you're not. Let's look at this. Somebody said, well, shouldn't we be open-minded to the Word of God? To the Word of God. Matter of fact, there are some things we should not be open-minded about. That doesn't mean we don't love. Doesn't mean we're not patient. Doesn't mean we're not kind. But I don't have to look at everything to know that it's wrong and I shouldn't give my focus there. Notice verse 4. Nor give heed. Let's read verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, he, he said, remain in Ephesus that you may charge them that they teach no other doctrine. In other words, be careful what truths you are hearing, what people are saying, and what the Word of God says. Then he said, nor give heed. That's a word we don't use. Give heed means to give your attention, to start focusing on. So he said, don't give heed to fables, different stories, different things things. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Why would you not? He said endless genealogies, all these different things. He said, don't give heed to certain things. Why would you not give your attention to certain things as a believer? Remember, if you look to Jesus and your focus is on him, it will minister to your faith. 
he will be able to minister to your faith that your faith might develop. And faith is confidence. Faith is victory. Faith is life. Look at this. Don't give heed to those things. Don't give your attention to them. Why? He said, which cause disputes. The King James reads, generates disputes or questions. What are disputes? What are questions? What are disputes? What does it mean they minister that? Well, I'm a minister, I'm giving you something. If you focus on the wrong thing, they will minister things to you. What will they minister to you? What will they minister to you? He said questions, disputes, arguments. About what? The truth. Well, you know, healing's not for everybody. Don't give heed to that. Well, God doesn't want to save everybody. God doesn't want everybody to have peace, just certain ones. No, everybody. But if you listen to fables or false things, they'll generate questions that make you go, is it true or is it not? Is it for me? Is it not? Will God protect me? Will he not? He said, if your attention is on the wrong thing, it will generate these questions or disputes. Some people live with disputes just because of their focus. Just because of their focus, they don't have inward confidence that would cause them to live secure and settled in the Lord. There's inward turmoil because they think, well, i got to give my attention to all these things. He said they will generate questions. Notice the next part, rather than godly edifying that is in faith. Now, if you don't know what faith is, it literally means confidence. If you focus on the wrong thing, questions arise. There's no confidence. When your focus is on the right thing, confidence comes. And when we talk about confidence, we're talking about faith. Faith is the confidence and assurance. If my attention is on the right thing, my confidence grows. How many distractions would come just to get our focus? But you know what this tells me? is what I focus on, I open to. If I will be purposeful to focus on the right thing, I'm only going to get stronger. You're only going to get stronger in the Lord. And when people say, oh, well, you should look at all this. No, because I only eat this kind of fuel. People deal with all kinds of things. I've met people who have struggled with false religions, and they wonder why their heart is in turmoil, and they're believers. But it's because they keep feeding on all that stuff. And they're like, I know the Lord is right, but this. And I know there's people who deal with lust. And they're like, how do I get free from this? But they'll turn and watch movies and watch things that are full of suggestive stuff that would open, you know, they open their heart by their focus and it gets in them and then they know it's not right. And they wonder, why do I struggle? Because of our focus. 
people steal. And thoughts come to them and they think it's okay to steal. It's because they focus on that. But if they focused on the Lord, they would know, no, I don't steal. And if they would focus on the Lord, they'd go, he's my provider. I don't need to steal. He'll multiply me. He'll cause all my needs to be supplied. But they focus on the wrong, it opens them up. You know, the Bible talks about if the eye be single, the whole person will get full of divine light and full of divine faith. What does it mean? The more focused you can be, now you've got to live life. You've got to do things. But how we look and view things will fill our hearts. Will fill us. Anybody want to be filled? Focus. Focus. 